0: Good to see the uh, the fellowship that is taking place. Times were extremely difficult in the nation of Israel spiritually. Financially, they were, seemed to be doing okay. They were still under the the rule of rule of Persia, but they were doing okay. They were making it. They were somewhat independent. Uh, They had uh, a decent amount of money, religiously, from an outward appearance. Everything seemed to be going okay, but the Lord breaks in. He says things are are not okay. There's religion taking place. There's a lot of religious people, a lot of uh, people going through the religious forms, rituals. But it's not actually changing. They're not actually being moved from within. And uh, it's, it's possible to go through all the outward motions and, and not be moved. We need to be asking ourselves uh, this morning. I think every person in, in this room, including the person standing here, we need to be asking ourselves, are, are we being moved inwardly toward the Lord? Are, are we being moved toward prayer? Are we being moved toward Bible reading? When we, when we think about decisions in our lives and, and, and matters that concern us, are we governed by the scripture? Are we, um, are we living in the light, in the sunlight of the Holy Spirit? Or is there, a, is there a darkness in life where there's, a, there's perhaps a relationship with the Lord, but the sunlight of God's Holy Spirit has, uh, has not penetrated certain areas of our life? And uh, there's a, a lack of, a lack of freedom, even a lack of freedom in worship. And oh, that God would break chains, even this morning, not on unbelievers. We, we pray that God, if you're here this morning, you're not a believer. Today could be the day that you come to Christ. And he, he welcomes you with open arms. He says, today is the day of salvation. Today, today is the day to repent and believe. But the, the truth is, there are, there are believers, even in our, our midst, that are that are still under some forms of bondage. bondage and uh, sometimes that we could just say this is just sins in our life that uh, as we continue in this process of sanctification the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us and and uh, he moves and he changes us and he makes us more like Jesus Christ but some of it is demonic bondage you say in the believers life yes in the believers life And I think that the Lord would want to raise up within this church a a praying group of people to where we're actually seeing chains broken, where it's not just week after week where we're just kind of praying for the same thing, the same thing, no victory, no bondage breaking. Something radical needs to take place. Radical. Radical. Something ground-shaking needs to take place, even in our church. And we we couldn't find any better text than this text of Scripture when it comes to God saying, enough with the religion. Enough with just going through the motions. It's it's time to actually be shaken to the core. To be really shaken. To uh, To be deeply moved by God to where he becomes our our ultimate treasure. He becomes the goal that we're seeking in all of life. This life is so short. Oh, is it short? And there is a real eternity. What what we... uh, What we experience in this life, what we believe in this life, really matters. And there was a desperate need in this day for a radical shaking. Remember on the day of Pentecost? You know, that that group of 120, they they didn't just get up there and pray and say, we're going to have a prayer meeting and... uh, We've been praying, and so, Lord, we ask you for this. Lord, we ask you for that. Uh, Well, we think he moved. Let's go for lunch. The church would have never started that way. They didn't just pray, and it was like, let's just pray, and they had a nice little prayer meeting. Something radical had to happen. Something life-altering, life-changing had to happen. The Holy Spirit had to come in and move with great power and great authority. And I, I dare say that some of us in this church need to really be open, more open than we have ever been before to the move of the Holy Spirit. The saying certain bondages in our life need to absolutely be broken and look, Lord, unturn every stone that needs to be turned in our life. Lord, do whatever it takes to bring us to you. And if we begin to pray that prayer from the heart, it's amazing what the Lord begins to do. And he's always so kind. He's always so kind, but uh, there there is a process. There is a shaking. That's what Israel needed. The Lord is so kind not to let his church... The Lord is so kind not to let His people just continue. The Lord doesn't just say, "Well, I'm going to zip my lips. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say anything. I'll learn to just accept religion as you want to do it, Israel. You can just continue on in in your religion. No big deal. Now the Lord has spoken, and, and He wants to change us. Listen, He wants to change us so radically, so thoroughly that it changes who we are in secret. Who we are when nobody's looking. What we what we talk like when when no one's there. That's righteous. Character, character is what we are. Character, listen, character is what we are. Holiness is what we are when nobody's around. And this is why the Lord, when he came, had such had such issues with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were so polished. They were so polished outwardly. But inwardly they were spiritually dead. They were they were. They were dry. You lit a match to their inner wood pile, it would it would instantly be ablaze. When they were that dry. They were that dead. So the Lord at the at the end of the Old Testament here says something radical needs to happen. Read with me, please, in Malachi chapter three he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in the righteousness of the Lord. And the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. And I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers. Against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely. Let me let me just stop there. The Lord says, Okay, I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna come in judgment. Talking about this this second coming that we're waiting for. That's what this this text is talking about. He's gonna be be against all those who are spiritual but who are not Christians, those who are sorcerers. Lots of spiritual people today I hear this all the time. I'm a spiritual person. I'm a spiritual person. Those who cast spells, those who look at the horoscope, those who look at the stars to determine their destiny, those who dabble in false cults and false religions. It's amazing at the growth of the cults in our day. It's even a Channel now dedicated to the church of science, which is neither a church nor scientific. It looks so, so nice and well done and professional. This is why Christianity is not about professionalism. How do we become a professional church? Everything is in order, and we have everything figured out. We figure out how to get people in. We take surveys about songs people like and, and sermons that they want to hear. And, uh, and so we, we figure all that out, and we do everything based upon things like that, professional, professional sermons, professional programs. And it ends up being canned and professional and well done, And the Holy Spirit is missing. So the Lord says, I'm coming in judgment. I'm coming against the adulterers, those who are unfaithful in marriage. Against those who swear falsely, that is, against those who lie. Against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages. The widow and the fatherless against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. In the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Lord of hosts, Lord of hosts, Lord of hosts. Malachi loves this term, uses it more than others. Lord of hosts. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord, verse 13. But you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charger of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? Now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. By the way, that's what uh, we want to speak about here this morning, this contrast between fear and no fear. The Lord is making a distinction here. Verse 17. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. I haven't seen it. I'm not a farmer, but I've read about it. What about a new calf leaping around? The joy of a calf out in the sunlight released from the barn. Lord, Lord's saying, you're going to be happy. You're going to be full of joy leaping around like that. You ever been so happy you could jump for joy? You know, not, not manufactured, not coming in, we're just jumping up and down to do it, but your heart is so filled with joy. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I access the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So the Lord says uh, something radical has to happen here. And um, before I send my main messenger, my messenger, I'm going to send one who prepares his way. So, Israel, I'm not going to let you continue on in this religious lifestyle, but I'm going to intervene. And, and this is what we even pray for. We say, Lord, would you, would you intervene? God, when we come into church, we, we want to sense the manifest presence of your Holy Spirit. We, we want to be changed. We, we don't want to just go through the motions. And God says, I will send you messengers. He sent here before Christ. He sent a specific messenger, b- verse 1. I will send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. So there's going to be a messenger who comes before Christ, and chapter 4, verse 5 even gives us more specific information about this one who is a waymaker, the one who prepares the path for the way of the Lord. And he says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. That is, he's he's saying, I'm going to send you one like Elijah. Remember, Elijah had gone up into heaven in a whirlwind with a fiery chariot. And he's not saying, I'm literally going to send you Elijah, but I'm going to send you one who comes in the spirit of Elijah with his power, with his kind of message before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. So before the Lord comes, there is going to come this messenger. And uh, perhaps before the Lord even comes in power in our day, he sends people who begin to break up the ground, who begin to till the soil, who have spiritual insight. The Lord has given them spiritual insight to see the Lord is going to move, and his people, there's always a remnant of people that are saying, Lord, move. Lord, we have experienced you in the past. The the reason that you're here today if you're a believer is because at some point in your life you experienced the awesome power of the Holy Spirit. And there was somebody, whether it was a mother, a father, a preacher, somebody at work who spoke the good word of God to you and you responded to that. They began to use the word of God and till up that soil in your heart and you began to think about the things of God. And as your heart was broken up, there came a point where you experienced him. And there are people here who would say, oh, Lord, do it again. Lord, would you come in power like the Welsh revival, 1905? I was listening to a preacher this this past week, and he he remembered that as, as a child. He he remembered the power of that revival. And if you've experienced God, you remember back today's worship services where you didn't want to leave. The power of God was so intense. The love of God was was there in such a way that you could sit there for hours. And even after the singing was done and even after the, the praying was done and after the preaching was done and after the altar call... And uh, the closing prayer, there are still people that are simply sitting there stunned in the presence of God in silence. Oh, Lord, thank you for your presence. The Lord wants to break our hearts up. till them up like with a plow. Before the Lord's messenger would come, he would send another one who was not the Christ, who was not the Lord. Who would prepare his way and say, listen, I'm, I'm not the Messiah, I'm not the Christ. In fact, they would come and they would say to him, are you Elijah? Why would they say that? Because they had read Malachi. Are you Elijah? And he says, no, 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 I'm not actually Elijah. But he comes with the same prophetic ministry. And the ministry of every preacher is not to point to themselves, but is to point to Christ. And say, oh, no, 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 the, the message that we preach, we preach not ourselves, but we preach Christ crucified. Christ crucified. And so the Lord says here, I'm going I'm to send one who's going to come. He's going to come before And he's going to do this marvelous work of turning hearts of fathers to their children. And the hearts of children to their fathers. So this would be the ministry of this person. Intense work. The work that only God could do. He says, if I don't do it, lest I strike this land with utter destruction. Who, who is this person that the Old Testament is, is telling us about? Well, if you go over to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. By the way, this wasn't only prophesied by Malachi. It was prophesied by Isaiah. Mark chapter 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, verse 2, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I will send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. So this is this is taking the Old Testament teaching and this is saying now this is being fulfilled. This messenger that God had said through the prophet Isaiah, through the prophet Malachi is now actually coming. And when the Lord ever says somebody's actually going to come, they really come. So when the Lord says that he's going to send this messenger, he actually came. When he says he's going to send the Messiah, the Messiah actually comes. When he says he's going to send the Messiah a second time, it means he's actually going to come. Wouldn't that be awesome if we're all alive when that happens? Could happen. We're sitting here, and the next thing we know, we hear some trumpets going off, and we're in the air. (laughs) Talk about leaping like calves, kicking our feet in the air, high fives all around. Say that's crazy. Oh, it's not crazy. It's the truth. In fact, without that truth, we might as well close this Bible up and just go home. Let's go home and make some cookies. He's coming. This is the wonderful thing about the Bible. It's so specific. It says, I'm going to send this messenger before him. He's going to be like Elijah. And here comes with camel hair, eat, eating locusts and wild honey, all this wild food out in the wilderness. Unbelievable guy. Wow, it actually happened. The voice, verse 3, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Here it is. Prepare the way of the Lord. And make his path straight. So the Lord, is, um, the Lord is about to do something marvelous here. He's about to come in great power and great authority. This Mark chapter 1 tells us that this is none other than John the Baptist. This is the one who comes and prepares the way of the Lord. But then the Lord is actually coming. So John the Baptist is saying, listen, I, I, I baptize you, but I just baptize you in water. He who comes after me, he's going to be the one who baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. In fact, this is exactly what Israel needed. They needed something so radical, so different, so life transforming, that it would actually change them from the inside. And he says about this one who comes, when he comes, when the Lord comes, look at verse 1 of chapter 3 of Malachi. The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And you can imagine as Jesus is born, what is this talking about? He comes, he comes suddenly. This doesn't give us The time, this doesn't give us a specific date, but it just says it's going to happen all of a sudden. He's going to come suddenly, and that's exactly what happened. Who is this one who came? He's the Lord. So John the Baptist is not the Lord, but he's the one who prepares the way for the Lord. It's the Lord who comes. It's this God-man who is going to come suddenly to his temple. And what is he going to do? He's going to change the whole atmosphere of religion. He's going to come and say, all of this religious stuff, all of this going to temple and not being changed from the heart, all of that has to end. Because when he comes, notice notice what he does. Verse 2, he's like a refiner's fire. He does the work of burning away sin. Whenever they would smelt metal, they would melt it down, and uh, the dross would rise to the top. They would scoop it off the impurities. The Lord is saying this is what is going to happen not only to his priests, the Levites, but to everyone who's going to come to him in belief. He's going to have to purify them of sin. The Lord is saying, you're going to continue to just go through all this stuff. You might might continue to go to temple and all that, and that's all well and good. But what you need is a a deep refining, a deep purification, where the Holy Spirit comes and he begins to deal with sin in our life and scoop out all of the impurities, scoop out all of the sin, all the secret sin. This is the only way the Lord works. His people have always been people that he has worked on on the inside. So you can imagine this fire that is burning and it's burning away all the things. If you can see gold in your mind, this beautiful gold that is coming from the fire, but it's a pure gold. And uh, oftentimes this is uh this is a a painful experience. This this whole journey, this whole walk with the Lord is not an easy one. Oh, it's a walk we would never as a believer turn away from. There's not enough money that you could find in the world to, to pay somebody who really believes in Christ, who is going through this process of refining. There's not enough money in the world to turn that person away from Christ. Think of one of the most beautiful books in all of history, Pilgrim's Progress. And as Christian is going through life, all of the temptations, all of the things that come against him, it's relentless. And it doesn't just happen in your teens and in your 20s. And that happens in your 30s, and in your 40s, in your 50s, in your 60s. And the Lord says, I, I didn't just save you for the first 10 years of life while you're all fired up. But I, I saved you to purify you, to remove all the impurities continually in your life to the end of your life. This, this, past, this past week, I, I listened to a message by a man, his last name is Nathan. The title of his message was Derailed in Old Age. And he goes through and he talks about how many people in the Bible got derailed in their old age. Some of the best things that the Lord wants to do in our lives are when we're old. He was talking about that, that middle-aged 40s and 50s, and then you get into your 60s and your 70s. We can think back, oh, Lord, we we're so fired up about you in our 20s. The question is, or even our teens, how about now? Being fired up for Christ all that he wants to accomplish in people that are in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s, in their 70s, even in their 80s. Remember Abraham, how old he was? 100 years old? That's old. The Lord is still working through him powerfully. Some of the best things that have ever been written are by older people. I've said this before, but the only way to become a godly old man or the only way to become a godly old woman is by being a faithful young man or by being a faithful young woman. And life seems long, but as we go through these different stages in life, he wants wants us to continue on in power. He wants to continue to sanctify us, continue to do these things, not for just a little while, but for our whole life. But he doesn't only talk here about refining, but he also talks about washing. Verse uh, verse 2 there, like the the washing of a fuller. A fuller is one who washes primarily wool. They would take water and they would also take soap and they would wash out the impurities. They would wash out the impurities, the oil, the stains. We have a spot remover today. We have all different kinds of detergents that we use. My wife even likes to make her own detergent. And so we have all sorts of different kinds of even homemade uh, detergents and and stain removers and spot removers. One of the um, freshest and best smelling places to be is the dry cleaners. I don't know what I like about the dry cleaners. In fact, I'm not even there that often. But I like going into the dry cleaners. Everything smells clean. And it's fresh. And there's water in the washing machines and big bubbles of soap and steam. and It's a neat place. A neat place to take a field trip to, maybe. Okay, here we are at the ironing board and the washing machine. But uh, one thing that is is tough to go through is if you're the actual fabric. It's easy to stand there and watch the soap, and it's easy to watch the water. It would be tough if the fabric were living. And to go through the hot iron and to go through the hot water And all of the soaps. In fact, a fuller would often use sticks to to beat the wool. In order to use this soap and this water to take all of the impurities out of it. And so as the Lord is washing and as he's cleansing our hearts with the the washing of the word of the water. The washing of the Holy Spirit. Oh, it, it smells good and it's. It's pleasant in many ways, but it's also very difficult and very, very tough. So if you have signed up for the Christian life, the, the words that the Lord uses here is he says, I want to I clean you from the inside. I'm going to put you as a Christian through the fire. He said, but my Christian life has been nothing but cakes and uh, walking out to the mailbox and collecting checks and walking around in a robe." then you haven't lived the Christian life. Oh, the Christian life is full of joy, but it's also full of difficulty, full of trials, full of temptations, full of snares. And this is why the Lord says, you can't clean yourself. All the things that you try to clean yourself with, dirty soap, filthy water, You say, well, I do all of these different things. The Lord says, you're trying to clean yourself, but you're not getting clean. There's people who try to cleanse themselves. It's not working. They're turning on the shower and they're taking dry showers. They're getting out just the same as when they walked in. I remember being on a missions trip and this one kid, every every day we had to go and we had to take our showers before, before the day got started. And instead of taking showers, all he would do was spritz himself with cologne. And you can imagine, it was hot. This is during the summer. And so he would just spritz himself with cheap cologne. He'd go through all the hot day like that, and then he'd go to bed like that, and then wake up and spritz himself with some more cologne. That's not a way to get clean. In fact, that's a way to smell. This is what the Lord is saying. He's saying, you're, you're doing all this stuff, but you still smell, you're not clean. You need the washing. There's here's a beautiful, here's a beautiful word for us water. Water. What a beautiful word. How cleansing. How life-giving. How wonderful. Oh, when you're thirsty, I mean really thirsty, there's nothing like a cold drink of water. When you're really filthy, there's nothing like getting clean in a bathtub or a shower. Come out clean. The Lord says it might be rough and tumble. In fact, it is going to be rough and tumble. You're going to be like the clothes in the washing machine. You're being tossed around. It's easy to watch the process from outside. It's much different when you're being tossed around in the tumbler. You can't clean yourself. Jeremiah chapter 2, if you flip over there, Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 22. By the way, the same word for soap in the Hebrew is the same word that's used in this text here in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 22. Though you wash yourselves or wash yourself with lye and use much soap there's that same word you use much soap the stain of your guilt is still before me declares the Lord God So the Lord the Lord is saying okay you you need to be cleansed but you're trying you're trying to wash yourself so the Lord says here's what I'm going to do I need to shake things up. I'm going to shake them up to the core. So instead of just allowing this process to just continue on and on, month after month, year after year, day after day, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my messenger who's going to begin to break up the ground, get your hearts ready for the move of the Holy Spirit, and he's going to preach things like repentance and true belief in Christ. He's going to talk about the Messiah who comes after him. He's going to begin to wet the appetite of those who are looking for Christ. Then John says, I come and I dunk you in the dirty Jordan. I, I don't do anything as far as your, your spiritual health goes. All of this is just a symbol of something that's going on inside. But there's one who's going to come and he's going to wash you with spiritual soap and water. There's one who's going to come who's going to send the Holy Spirit, the flame of the Holy Spirit, to burn away all impurities. When you come out, like at the dry cleaners, you're going to come out beautiful and clean. And smelling really good. Fresh. If it smells clean, it is clean. Okay, maybe not. Well, we're going to finish Malachi today. We didn't do that, and I, I I don't want to just continue to go through this and just press press the points into into the next four minutes. I think we're we're good enough right there. I I want us to begin to pray. Maybe we can pray this this week. Lord, would you begin to prepare our hearts? Lord, what are, what are the areas in our hearts that you want to break up? Maybe, 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 Lord, you're not going to deal with it right today, but you want to begin to prepare us for what you have for us. And maybe a good question or a request to even ask the Lord is simply to say, Lord, would you begin in my life to begin to, would you begin to prepare my heart to receive the things just like John the Baptist did, Lord, would you begin to prepare my heart to receive the things that I'm not even aware of? The things that are from you. It's a, That's a dangerous request if you really mean it. Lord, really, really begin to break up my heart. Would you stand with me? I, if you'd bow your head and... Close your eyes as we um, begin to close in, in prayer. Father, we we thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the work of um, of God in our lives. And Lord, we ask you that you would begin to break up within our hearts things that you are, you're you're wanting to till up by the by the preaching of your word and 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 Lord would you would you prepare us to to wash us anew, wash us afresh? We thank you, Lord, that you're so good as we sang earlier, you're a good father, and good fathers don't allow their children to swim in sewage. So, Lord, would you cleanse us? Prepare us, Lord. We pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.